In this week's episode, there are three brilliant titles from another new Cullen Bunn horror book to a very cool sci-fi epic in the making to literally one of the best books we've ever read. This week was freaking awesome, guys. And it's all happening now on Cover B. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody had a good week. Yes. I am T, here with Chris. Yo. Periodically, I like to introduce us because I remember that new people come and they're like, who <laughs> yes. are these schlubs? Sometimes we might want to get in the habit of actually doing we that. We used to regularly. do that. And then we were like, yeah. if they know us. And then, and then like, I'm nah. like, mm, yeah. they might not know us. <laughs> it's true. We've got some cool books this week. Uh, very, very dark tones in the books yes. this week. So this will be an interesting dark episode. So Ooh. everybody put on your black uh, mesh tops. And your extra baggy pants and chains. Uh, get that dark eye makeup out. Uh, it is Cover B Dark Cast. Dark Cast. Welcome back to Gothcast with Cover Ooh. B. Uh, first of all, we're starting off with Everfrost number one. This one is from uh, Black Mask Studios. Uh, it is written by Ryan K. Lindsay uh, with art by Sammy Cavella. Uh, what we have is we follow a scientist named Van who has a checkered, dark, and kind of sad past. Uh, she is on a planet. I don't know if it's Earth, just some sort of planet in some sort of nondescript futuristic time period uh, that has effectively been sent into an ice age by some sort of large celestial creature dying on the planet. It was toxic. It poisoned the planet. Everything's cold and terrible now. Um, and they are... She is researching the remains of the giant creature in order to get off planet with the help of her strange monkey friend who can talk for some reason. Uh, and honestly, the this series is one with a lot of content and a lot of stuff happening. Uh, there's also... A warlord-controlled society that has revolutionaries fighting against it. Um, and we see a bit of that. We haven't seen how that plays into the story of Van yet. Uh, but a lot going on in this story. A lot of questions and a lot of things left unanswered. A lot of loose ends to tie up. But in all of that complexity is a very compelling story of people trying to survive in harsh conditions. T, what did you think? I really liked this book. I thought it was very engaging. I thought it was very interesting. I think the world that they set up was very cool and, mm -hmm. and intriguing. Um, I think the only issue I really had with this book, admittedly, is that because there's so much content and there's so much trying to get across, we actually, I admittedly had to have a conversation about the book because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything or that I wasn't like, misunderstanding things yeah because since there's so much packed into this book it's it's quickly paced and the language can be unforgiving so i felt like i wanted to make sure i didn't misunderstand something or i confused something or i lost something in the translation so it's just very dense which mm. is cool and i think the concepts are awesome and i you know it's an interesting take on like both a technically like a post-apocalyptic but also sci-fi but also yeah. just like like cold world experience you know what i mean and it it's there's a lot here it's just a lot to absorb at the same time yes there's a there's a lot that happens in this book it is a very dense with content and dense with narrative book uh in the best kind of way that leaves us with a lot of stories that we're left with questions uh, and, you know, are left unresolved, so we want to see them kind of come to resolution. A lot of stories happening in tandem in this book. Yes. We have the main character's past, some mysteries about her little monkey partner. Uh, there's some stuff that gets discovered towards the end of the book that opens up new questions. There's their main mission. There's all the stuff happening with kind of the government structure of the area that we're in. Uh it's cool. It's a it's a really cool book, and uh, the art paints a really interesting 
it's a it's a unique sci-fi look. It's got like vague kind of feelings of industrialism and yeah. you know large ships and stuff like that, but everything's still very kind of like toned down. The creatures in the world are very interesting, but you know, still kind of familiar in weird ways. Yeah. Um it's cool. It's it's a really nifty book. I'm excited to see where this one goes. I'm excited to see where uh how all these threads kind of play into each other. I like agree. It's, it's the uh, it's a very interesting first issue because it was effectively like just like bump, like just <laughs> dumping all these stories onto a desk and being like, "What do you think?" You know what I mean? Don't forget any of these because <laughs> yeah. it's gonna come back later. Yeah, and it uh, you know, you can tell that if you read the afterward, um. Lindsay kind of talks about how he has been thinking up this story for a while. Yeah. So you can tell just from this first issue that this has been something that's kind of evolved and he's decided like, these are the threads and how I need to tell them at the certain time that I need to tell them. Yes. Um, and then eventually they're all going to come together. So it does feel uh, very, very intentional, which I yeah. love in a story. I love when there's little bits dropped here and there and little beginnings of the rope dropped here and there because it, it helps you know, like, okay, they're dropping this very specifically because this is going to tie into something later in a certain way, which is going to mm -hmm. tie into something later in a certain way. And it, yeah. it's a cool, and you know, it's cool the way that it's woven. Despite having all these threads kind of going around, uh, they do a really good job of kind of pacing it out. And yes. they bounce between characters and they bounce between certain points in time. Uh, but they do a good job of framing these things so that they they flow well. Yes, uh, it's a cool first issue. It's in like I said, it's it's a pretty interesting take because a lot of times first issues are like here's the characters, here's the concept, here's a hook to keep you on the line, and then that's it. And in this book, we've got that, but we have it like five times. Yeah, <laughs> we're like here's five different hooks, which one you want, and. I don't know if if you know if the team has really solid direction I think tying up all these things could be really really fun so I agree uh, I'm excited to see where this one goes I think I think it's got a lot of potential to be just like really epic you know like epic in the sense of like the odyssey kind of yeah epic. you know what yeah. I mean like it's going to go places. It's going to just like keep unwinding Building. and like, whoa, my God, and twists and turns and stuff. So I think I think this one's really, really cool. Me too. Uh, next up, we have Basilisk. Uh, this one has been hyped for quite a while. This one's out of Boom. Uh, it is a new Cullen Bunn uh, horror <laughs> book uh, with art by Jonas Scarf. Um. This one's cool. It's a uh, southern, it's got like southern horror vibes to it. Effectively, we're introduced to a group of five uh, individuals who have something going on. They, We see like a brief flash of them wandering the streets aimlessly before they attack some innocent man. We're then introduced to somebody who was somehow involved in that initial experience that this group had. Uh, and she's obviously out for vengeance. And that's where the story picks up with her finding one of the members of the five uh, and beginning her plan of enacting vengeance uh, before the other four can find them. Uh, we're also introduced to one of the five who seems to have separated from the five. And we get a little bit of a taste of what her powers uh, can be. T, what did you think? While the rest of us were watching Tiger King and baking bread during <laughs> quarantine, Cullen Bunn decided, I'm going to write a different comic every day. <laughs> yeah, and right. then when we go back to publishing, they're going to just come out, you know, once a week. There's going to be a different book every week because why not? Damn, Cullen Bunn, you are showing us up, bro. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I have Dude never is felt, putting in work. I have never felt more inadequate than when I compare my work ethic to Cullen Bunn's. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Damn. And what I think is so impressive is that every single one that comes out, I'm like, yeah, okay, no, that was good. It's not yeah. like it's not like certain 
mainstream author authors that I can think of that put out a ton of books. And sometimes you're like, yeah, that was one of the best books ever written. And sometimes they put out a book and you're like, actually, that's just a rip from the Simpsons movie. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> it's like, he's always mm. consistent. Yeah. And I'm just really impressed. This was another really good book. It's exciting to see, like, there, and the way that things are set up, like, you know, I'm not going to say too much, but there's a scene where we see the five early on and they're in scrubs. And so you go, oh, mm -hmm. why are they in scrubs? Mm -hmm. Where were they? How did this happen? And then things progress and you get introduced to characters who are living in a certain way. And you're like, oh, this is really subtle, but it means something. And it's it's very visual storytelling. It's very interesting. The book is super fast paced. Like you start it and then you're done. But you don't feel like, wow, I didn't learn anything. You learned a ton. Like, mm. there's a lot in this tiny book. Mm. I was really impressed. Like, you know, I Chris handed to me and he's like, I just read this one. It's quick, but it's good. And I was like, quick, huh, okay. And I, oftentimes when it's really quick and sometimes when it's an indie book, you're like, what even happened? I feel like I met one character and nothing went down. But this one, it was like, no, I. this was a perfectly fleshed out first issue. It just happened to breeze on by. I feel like I absorbed everything I needed to know. It was just like the most efficiently written book I've ever read. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me because we we're talking about three books this week that were really good. Like yes. this this week is another one of those weeks where I feel less like, you know, I'm presenting to the world a bunch of B B plus books. And more when I get to just come swinging with like, these are cool books. Pick them up. Yeah, these are really um, good. And it, the thing I noticed is that they, you know, I talked about on the last one how it was just like, look at all these hooks. Like, get attached. Have questions. Buy the next issue. You know? Yeah. And they took the method of just like presenting tons of narrative threads and being like, which one interests you? And kind yeah. of that motive. And all three books really took like different approaches to how to kind of like because the first issue of any series is always like the we got to sell people on this series you know yeah. the interesting thing about comics as opposed to a book like if you write novels you get to tell the whole story yep you're you're trying to sell people you know book companies use cover art and they use the synopses you know and you as the writer will be out on your twitter and your instagram like pumping the book you're and like book tours all the promotion is done by the time somebody's bought the book, mm -hmm. if you're building a series, you know, if you want to build a series of novels, fine. Uh, but ultimately, like selling that book is that's the story. You've yep. sold that story. You know, if it grows into a franchise, cool, or a series, cool. If it's something you have to stop and then come back later because the first one didn't sell really well, whatever. You know, like, but once you've sold that book, you've sold that book. So all you have to do is the preliminary stuff. Yep. In comics, you have to do all that preliminary stuff and then also hope that the first issue you've produced both with your as a creative team and then working in tandem with the editorial to decide like when it starts and stops is enough to hook people in. Yeah. So it's the first impression. And, you know, that's <laughs> then you have people like us. We come along and we suggest things and you have your local comic book shop might read them and then suggest them to you and stuff like that and reviews online uh which i guess we are i just kind of mentioned us twice um <laughs> I, we're just that good we're so um, important <laughs> yeah we're part of the process too um we help the economy go round yeah but so there's different you know strategies you can do for that and i've harped on in the past how i feel like a lot of aftershock comics are taking a very weird approach to this in that i don't feel like they're doing a good job hooking they're hiding, they're burying the meat of their concept in like issues two and three. And then the first issue is just kind of like, wee, I'm done and feels very basic. And then you'll read the synopsis for issue two. And it's a good example of this is we talked about it in a previous episode, which you can find at coveredbepodcast.com. Um, <laughs> Red Atlantis. Yeah. It's a really cool, like espionage, quasi sci fi book that we read, mm -hmm. we liked. And we were like, okay, this is about, like, someone's got the ability to, like, 
play a signal and everybody will go berserk and kill each other. And there's this person that may or may not be a sleeper agent who's running from the government and some big Russian dude rolls up and saves her. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, this is cool espionage stuff. This is very diehard. Yeah. And then we read the synopsis and it was like sci-fi action thriller brain melting. Like, and we were like, whoa, what? my God, where was all that? You know? What does that have to do with anything that we've already read? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's like... They just bury the the meat of the concept in later issues, and I think that's a weird approach, and I'm worried that it's going to result in a lot of their books not going past the first issue. Right. Um, all the books today did a really good job in investing hooks. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Everfrost did the multiple hooks thing, the multiple just... Full on, not like not worrying about like, okay, we need to introduce these threads slowly. Just like first issue, here's all the threads. I probably have more, but look at all these threads. Oh my God, there's a lot of story. One of these you're going to care about. Yeah. <laughs> then you've got this book, which bookended the book really, really well done. Like bookended this issue, introducing us to this mysterious group of people and then ending with a look at what they're like now. Yeah. You know, and it was just this bookend of these kind of special. It, it basically it's selling the book on the characters. Yeah. Which is another way to do it. Uh, and I just thought it was really good. Like T said, this is a very dialogue light, very action heavy. Yeah. Book, but it's got a really cool concept. Uh, and what we were talking about before we recorded was that like, it's just refreshing to see another southern horror book yes this is very yes. southern one of the characters rolls up to like a truck stop and gets like pulled pork and coleslaw and cornbread like this is a, if you were raised in the south like me this is southern this feels southern. i mean like the stuff that happens is southern the way people dress and act is southern it's it's nice and it's a return to form because like 2017 there was a ton yeah, of southern horror. that's what i was gonna say is we had this like weird surge in 2017 of Southern horror books. It was the year Redneck came out. It was the year Red Lands came out. So it was good. the year Moonshine came out. It was yep. the year uh, Harrow County was going strong and I think did like a new volume. Yeah. Maybe Tales from Harrow County came out. But anyway, 2017 was a huge year for like Southern horror. Yep. And then it just kind of stopped. It, it, it seemed like that was going to be the <laughs> horror push that was happening. And then it kind of stopped. And now like horror trends have kind of diversified. There's yeah. a lot of focus on vampires. There's a lot of focus on like period piece horror, but mainly set in like Northern ish, like city settings. Yep. Like you've got Philadelphia, you've got mercy. Uh, you've got, um, bitter root is set yep. during the Harlem Renaissance. Uh, you know, and like I said, vampires and you've got uh, anthologies are also you've got Electric Black is back. You've got Ice Cream Man. Ha ha is not so much horror as it is just terrible in the best way. Um, the coin, the coin, silver coin. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you've got horrors kind of playing with a bunch of different trends, but Southern horror has kind of petered out, just disappeared. <laughs> and there might be examples that are still going on that I'm just missing and feel free to let me know. Like give those a shout out by all means on Facebook or Twitter if when uh, when we post this episode. But yes, um, you just don't see it as much. Yeah, like I think there's parts of Bitter Root that kind of tap into it. I think if I remember right, it's been a while since I read it and I haven't kept up with the series. But there was like a one of the family members was kind of off on his own doing like a blade esque type monster hunter thing, and I think he was acting in the South. I think he was mainly in the South, but most of the meat of the story takes place in Harlem. Um, so yeah, it's, it's refreshing to see a return to this because I think the South as a setting for horror just provides a lot of interesting content that you can use. It's so rich. Like, and don't get me wrong. These other settings, period pieces are good settings for horror because looking at older things inherently gives like kind of a creepy setting. Mm -hmm. um, cities in general are good to use for horror because of the amount of people and the whole concept of being surrounded, but also alone is kind of a dark tone that you can play with. And like darkness and corners and alleyways that yeah. you can't see into. But the South, when you think of the South and you think of, you know, long stretches of road between you and other things, you know, areas that have 
kind of been forgotten and left behind in terms swamps. of you know <laughs> in terms of economic upheaval swamps dark forests like the all the mythology from various cultures that have set up shop in the south yeah like there's a lot to play with um you know if you go to any of the you know north central florida towns that have kind of seen better days and have had it hard and see like burned down motels and yeah. like boarded up gas stations and stuff like there's a lot of creepiness and a lot of darkness and sadness in the south yep um and it's just a great setting for horror it it's breeds a fear. good setting for horror yeah uh and it gives you a lot of there's also a lot of social things and political things that you can use as kind of fuel or suggestions throughout your story so yeah i i just like i like southern literature and i like seeing it come back to comics in the horror genre so. i agree colin bunn good job also before we moved on i wanted to state we've been talking a lot about colin bunn and in my ever never ending uh quest to give every to simultaneously give every comic creator a fan club and show Donnie Cates that I'm better at naming fan clubs than he is. <laughs> uh, I thought about a fan club for Colin Bunn. Oh, really? So the Colin Bunn fan club is officially called the Bunn's Huns. <laughs> so Colin. So we're so we're a fan club for both Colin Bunn and maybe Sir Mixelot. <laughs> well that's the thing. So we found here's the plan. Here's okay, everybody get your pencils out. Here's the plan. Okay. Step one. We establish the fan club. Okay. Okay. We don't, we do not rope Colin Bunn in yet. Okay. We need to be able to sell this to them. And here's right? how we do it. Step two. We buy up a shitload of Colin Bunn books. Okay. Uh -huh. We're going to put them all in a box. That's Good. step three. We put them in a box. Put them in a box. Step four is we mail that box to Sir Mix-a-Lot. He's like, what the hell? I'm Sir Mix-a-Lot. This is how I sound. Don't judge it. And he opens the box and is like, whoa, what are these? Pictures on in books? Comics, I'm being told they are. Uh -huh. I think I've heard about these. And he reads them and he goes, oh, my God, these are great. What's this note at the bottom of the pile of comics? And it's an official invitation for Mr. Mix-a-Lot uh, the the Duke of Mixalot to be um <laughs> the official ambassador for the Buns Huns, and now he's the face. And we go to Colin. We're like, hey, we have this idea, bro. And here's who's gonna explain it to you. And he rolls in and he's like, I like your books, and I cannot lie, and or something. I'm still drafting the lyrics, but and then Colin's in, and we've got the best fan club, uh, ever. Did you sleep last night? I sleep sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's all right there. Um, it's all it's all packaged up and ready yeah. to go. In that, I've already packed the boxes. I just need uh, Sir Mixlot's address. So if anybody has that, um, yeah. hit me up on Facebook and Twitter. I'm going okay. to be mailing uh, the silver knight of the lands of mix a lot my um <laughs> my package as it were and convincing him to join the buns hunts oh my so. god you can't see my face but the face you're making at home i'm making it too <laughs> so don't worry he sees it <laughs> so that that now puts me at two whole fan clubs that i have founded um and we're going to just see where it goes from here yeah sure we we're gonna see where this goes <laughs> we're gonna see i meant me and mr mix a lot oh okay yeah, yeah. yeah. we're gonna, gonna see where it goes yeah because this is a rabbit hole man he's gonna read those books and he's gonna be like i need more and i'm gonna be like well mix can i call you mix no okay sir mix a lot sorry for overstepping i thought we were cool we were bonding here um let me tell you about the chips ahoy <laughs> Cover B is in no way affiliated with the Buns Huns support group. <laughs> support group. <laughs> yeah, my name's Derek L. Hi, Derek L. Hi. Yeah, I joined the Buns Huns. 
Never in my life have I received so many beatings just walking <laughs> down the street. <laughs> I was told it would be a revolutionary moment in my life. It's been a disaster. <laughs> Sherry won't send me pictures of the kids anymore. I wake up every day to 40 emails from that bald son of a bitch that started the whole thing. He won't leave me alone. I've changed my number. I've blocked his numbers. He calls from 40 different numbers every single day. <laughs> oh, my God. At that point, all of their phones in the circle ring. <laughs> yeah. Pan over to the like coffee bagel table, and it's just me in a hat and sunglasses with like 40 phones on the table. <laughs> We said it was going to be a dark episode. <laughs> this, kids, is what a tangent looks like. I am. Um, so, I'm not very energetic today. I was like, man, I'm feeling kind of, it's raining out. I'm feeling kind of meta, like mellow. I was like, we got some, like, we got some books that I'm really feeling. So, this is probably not going to be a very, like, tangent. Lively. Lively me saying stupid stuff episode and i was wrong Ooh, very wrong i was wrong moving on oh my god i'm so excited <laughs> you guys oh my god i'm so excited this book was incredible not that the other books weren't incredible they, they were, were incredible they were great but this book wows oh my god i'm so excited we're gonna be talking about the nice house on the lake number one yes uh written by my boy james tinian uh with art by alvaro martinez bruno this is a book, uh, and uh, I'll go ahead and say it's going to be hard for us to talk about this particular book without spoiling things, because the main hook of the book. So we will try. Yes. But just fair warning, if you don't want anything spoiled in this book, I would wait to listen to this episode after you read it. So I will just real quick, because I know the whole point you're probably listening to this episode because you want suggestions. If you're thinking about buying the nice house on the lake. If you like any level of horror. Do it. If now. you like things that James Tinian's written in the past, buy this Go one. Go now. If you like horror stuff, why are you still standing Go here? Go get the book. Go get the book. If you've never read a comic book in your entire life. Go get this book. <laughs> first of all, welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find hi. our past episodes at coverbpodcast.com for a lot of... <laughs> For a lot of other suggestions. You're uh, a walking billboard today. <laughs> if you like interviews, we did an interview with Pat Chan. Um, but more importantly, go buy this book. Stop go what you're doing. Book. Go get this book. So uh, go get it. If you don't care about spoilers and you're still on the fence for some reason, uh, we'll cover uh, what happens in the book. So this book uh, follows a young woman who I believe his name is Ryan. Ryan, mm -hmm. Ryan, uh, she, well, first of all, it opens with her in a terrible hellscape. Uh, so that's a nice touch. Again, we were talking about how all these books do different things to hook. Uh, and this one does a nice in media res introduction to the narrator. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times comic books just ex accept that you accept that the narrator is someone. It's either an omniscient voice or it's the person from the future, but very rarely does it actively show that person from the future narrating. There's a few books I can think of that do it. Uh, Baby Teeth from Donny Cates is one of the ones that does it. Uh, but for the most part, we don't see that future person until maybe later, if at all. It's just accepted that it's the main character from the future. They're telling this story. Deal with it. Uh, this one actually opens with us seeing Ryan sitting in a horrible, terrible hellscape. Um... As she starts narrating how she first met Walter. And kind of just going through typical stuff that everybody can pretty much relate to. It's just friend group things. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going out to bars and we're at a beer garden and tree lee lee. And really establishes that the core of this story is going to be a, about a friend group that's kind of evolved over time and met people at different points in time and added and subtracted and etc etc and that's really what we get they 
randomly the friend group gets an email from Walter saying, Hey, my friend's letting me borrow this super dope lake house. Uh, I've been hitting you guys up about what your summer schedules are uh, and keeping being kind of mysterious, but this is the surprise. I want us to do like a week vacay at this lake house. Mm -hmm. They all show up. They start to see who's involved. They've all been given like identities like the artist and the pianist and the acupuncturist and the accountant and the consultant and, you know, to keep their identities a mystery from each other and, you know, make it more fun when they see who's been revealed. Yeah. They also have these symbols that coordinate with who they are. So the right. artist's little, they're all just lines and circles, but they're, the artist one looks like the palette that an artist would use. The writer's one looks like a bunch of lines being typed out and stuff like that. Um, they show up. They have a good time. Uh, they get to know each other. Uh, and then... At a certain point in the first night, uh, Ryan checks her phone. She's the only one who seems to have signal and finds out that the world is ending. Mm -hmm. She gets on Twitter and Twitter is ablaze, mm -hmm. as it were. Mm -hmm. uh, from that, they find out that the lake house might not be what they thought it was. And at least one of their friends... Might not be who they thought he was either. And that's where the book leads off. T, what did you think? Okay, I'm about to come in here big bat swinging. Cool. Okay. Do it. Hit us. I don't normally do this, you guys. First off, I have a lot to say. Mm. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to make some real big claims today. Yeah. This is the best horror book I've ever read. Nice. And maybe one of the most perfect comics I've ever read. It Sweet. is, it's freaking flawless for so many reasons, okay? On so many levels. Tinian has constructed one of the most engaging, well-structured, well-paced, well-placed books I've ever read. It takes... Little tidbits from so many other things you've read and liked and constructs them into this perfect house of a comic. Little things, little subtle things are so well manifested. The way he talks and introduces new characters are done in little boxes with their symbol and their title, you know, the artist or the the the, with an introduction of where they come from, in a very clever way, who they are, and their 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 relevancy to the group, mm -hmm. and it feels kind of the way Jonathan Hickman constructed information in House of X and mm -hmm. things like that, um, or uh uh yeah, and then there's subtle social things like he presents the inclusion of the pandemic in a way you don't think about twice. She shows up to the house in a mask and they do the temperature measuring thing, but it's not a thing. They don't talk about the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They don't refer to the, it just is. It's the most organic use of the pandemic I've seen in media thus far. Mm -hmm. And we are a year and a half th into this thing. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The there's introduction of a trans person mm. and it's not character defining it's not the basis of their existence like it often is in media it's just oh their gender and name was transitioned five years ago that's it that's mm. all you know and the layout and the connection of the people and the interactions between them are very subtle there's one introduction of the writer who is the trans the trans person and they're like kind of hanging out by themselves and like, I don't really want to go do anything. And then they see their ex-girlfriend and it's an awkward interaction in a very subtle way. And then they're like, actually, I'm going to leave this room because I'm very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But it feels so unbelievably organic for a social situation. Everything about this book feels real. Yeah. And that's the most impactful thing. The depiction 
of when things go south on Twitter is so real. Mm-hmm. I I get to this page and I'm reading things and my jaw fell to the freaking floor. <laughs> I'm just like, it's you feel like it's real. You feel like you're in it. The beginning introduction of them in this hell of, of her in this hellscape is you forget it within three pages. Yep. He does such a good job of being like, this is happening. You know this is going to happen. But you have no freaking idea how you're going to get there by the by the middle of the book. And then something happens and you still have no idea how you're going to get there. And then there's a twist toward the end that's bizarre and fantastic. And you're like, what is happening? And there's... the I'm, I'm going to say this word. It's a little spoilery. There's body horror, which is amazing. And it's just... There's so many pieces. I want this to be a movie so bad because this is terrifying and fully real and you're in the shit. And it, I, I, it's, it's one of the best freaking books I've ever read. I was, I'm flabbergasted. I haven't even read that much by Tinian, admittedly, but I'm gonna now. Good God. Okay. You good? Need really your inhaler? <laughs> yeah, jeez. I guess I'm not talking about this book because. <laughs> you all right? Need to take a walk? No, I'm okay. I'm. Need okay. a shower? <laughs> Look, man, I'm passionate about comics, you guys, and you guys know this, and you know yeah. that I get worked up, and typically you hear really me, no way. Typically, you hear me worked up about bad stuff or stuff that makes me angry or stuff that makes me frustrated or that I want to be done better. Yeah. I am. That passionate about how good this is. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen all the time. Go get the damn book. Yeah. Uh, again, T pretty much covered everything, so I don't have too much to say. But uh, one thing she hit on that I'd like to just extrapolate on is that, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's all very relatable. It's it's feelings that we've felt before. And because of that, Tinian does an amazing job constructing relationships between characters without having to say much yeah you know we kind of get vibes of who these people are because it's fairly easy to relate them to experiences we've had you know and people characters we've known in our own lives these feel like very approachable people yeah they're not presented as elite they're not presented as like caricatures of who they're supposed to be you know sometimes when especially when you're writing like you know mid 20s early 30s new york people you know youthful you new york people new york adults like that kind of stuff it can be easy to fall into like look this is the hipster and he's over here talking about craft beers this is the like edgy streets one who like is talking about like doesn't trust anybody's getting everyone's face you know everyone becomes this a caricature the, promo- the the professional this, this is like a yeah, lawyer this is like the bougie uptown one who's yeah. like you know oh i'm look at how nice i am don't be careful with my prada bags you know what i mean like yeah it, it, caricatures and tropes become the character characters you know what i mean like yeah. they they just like and a lot of horror movies do this like yes. i always get really bothered with horror movies about friend groups because i'm like there's no way these people would get together no there's no way these people would not at all because they make everybody extremes they're like this is the cheerleader and this is the jock and this is the emo kid and it's like these you know this is the nerd who stays at home all the time and it's like how would they relate Exactly. It's one of the reasons why Cabin in the Woods was so good, because they took people that weren't that and then hyped it up to 11 through manipulation so that they fit these caricatures that they really weren't. Yeah. And, you know, a movie that does that takes kind of that trope and does really cool things with it. Just a quick shout out for it is actually the Jumanji, the new Jumanji movie. Yeah. Because it shows that two people that don't really have a lot in common right now had a history and then it ties them into these other characters and yep. ties the group together and then forms a bond as Be- they go through this thing. Because of the experience. And, you know, they start to find as they're experiencing this thing that they have more in common and they have than they thought. And they have more respect for each other than they originally thought. Yeah. You know, they drum up history with each other and stuff. And the they now become that friend group where it's like the nerd and the jock and the cheerleader and the quiet one and stuff. But they have a reason to be that way. Right. You know, it's 
it's established that they would never hang out normally. Yeah. And now if you go into the second Jumanji movie, now they're like hanging out. They're buddies. They're friends. Right. You know, and that's a great subversion of that that trope of like, look at these people that have nothing in common. But, you know, they're going to go stay in this cabin for eight days. Yeah. They're going to hang out anyway for no explicable reason. And it's all because they just want the characters to fall into different holes. And while we have characters having different roles, like there's obviously ones that are a little bit less into you know the big fancy house as others there's obviously ones that are a little bit more like you know doing better for themselves like a little bit more fancy maybe there's obviously ones that have different personality traits and stuff but none of them feel like a caricature of no. what they're supposed to be the comedian's not running around being like hey nerds titty twister <laughs> bro. i'm gonna go shotgun a 40 which would just be like, Psh, ah! and um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's and the while well, the writer is the one that's outside smoking and is like, oh, I hate all this stuff. Like, it still feels fine. Like, it still feels like they would hang out with these people. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it still feels like an extended friend group. You know, some people know people better than others. Some went to high school together. Some went to college together. They hang out at you know, bars in New York from time to time and have gotten to know each other. Yeah. And so those dynamics between the individual characters, you can feel. It feels like you're at this party and you can kind of position yourself and be like, okay, if I had met somebody once but only knew them because they were the previous girlfriend of, or the previous friend of a previous friend's girlfriend and we met once at a party, would I necessarily remember their name? When I didn't remember we met, would I be embarrassed by it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like that. Like you can, it's very real situations and yeah. it's very organic. And the pacing of the book is incredible. And the, the ending few pages just leave you with such a sense of dread. Yes. You know, and it, it goes along with like T said, the Twitter storm of stuff happening and the panic that these characters feel is, also unfortunately relatable like how many times have you logged on to the internet and seen you know so many people dead at las vegas concert shooting or mm -hmm. you know this city in lockdown because of sniper on roof and bombing events bombing you know the boston marathon thing mm -hmm. like remember the panic and the the uncertainty un the unbelievability of it when yep. you first read about it yep you know and Many of us reading it lived through 9-11 yep. and we've lived through wars and we've lived through pandemics now. And, yep. you know, the panic is something that we unfortunately could relate to. Yep. You know, it's not been world ending, but there's been some horrific things that have happened. Hurricanes that have wiped out large portions of countries and, yeah. you know, tidal waves and... A lot of bad stuff. The world's a tough place, you guys. <laughs> I said this would be a dark episode. Um, but yeah, it's it's that feels very real. Yep. And there's a lot of detail in there. You know, and there's a lot of details, like subtle details that make it feel real. Like talking about Twitch streamers and someone coming in, somebody with a verified account, like one of the few verified accounts on there being like, this is fake. It's just an ad. Yeah. You know? And stuff like that. And it's it all feels very real. So you're pulled in from your previous life experience to the sense of panic and dread that these characters are now feeling. So well And the whole time, because you're not going into this book, especially with the first couple pages that introduce the hellscape and the narrator, you're not going into this book with any misconceptions. No. You're fully suspicious of Walter. You're fully suspicious of the lake house. Yep. But you don't know why. Yeah. You don't know what, what you're end. walking into. And the choice made and the story direction is still surprising. Yes. But that that sense of dread because nothing's happening is an incredible device. Yes. That not enough horror places do. And honestly, this is the second thing I've experienced recently. And I'm not going to dwell on it, but quick shout out to Resident Evil Village. The second main area, the dollhouse, yep. oh, yeah. does this same thing. Nothing happens, but you know it's going to. And you feel gross in the but meantime. But you don't truly know <laughs> what. So you start making all these 
ideas. You start having all these ideas of what's yep. going to happen. Like at one point I was like, is this going to be a, and then there were none kind of scenario. Like, is this going to be your typical murder mystery? Like they're going to roll in and someone's dead. Cause one thing I noticed is that it looks like each book might follow a different character. I don't know if we'll keep Ryan in, but if you look at the top of the front cover, all their symbols are there and the uh. artist is highlighted. So either they're going to start dying off and the symbols are going to drop off as issues go by, or it's the next issue is going to be the pianist because he was the second one. Oh. So, um, that's so clever. Is it going to be a murder mystery? Is it going to be, you know, aliens, demons? Like what's going to happen? No here? idea. You know, is Walter the devil? There was a, in the beginning, I was like, Walter's literally the devil. She found the devil. Yeah. He's like, Hey, I want to end the world. How do I do this? tell me you know and it's crazy so you you develop all these hypotheses where the story is going to go and whether it goes in line with what you were thinking or it goes against it it's still shocking and it's you have this buildup of tension that's suddenly released and just flows into the last few pages into the the climax of the book it's so well done it's and like this is like you know you may think we're blowing it out of proportion and you know, I'm sure there's people out there that are going to read it and they're like, nah, I didn't like it as much as something is killing children. Or I didn't like it as much as this other horror book, not written by Tenian. But like, in my opinion, this is a masterpiece of horror oh, comics. It's brilliant. It's, it's incredibly well paced. The characters are incredibly well done. The dialogue is incredibly well done. I was the actually art... just about to say, I'm so picky with dialogue. This is the most natural feeling dialogue I've yeah. maybe ever read in a comic. The the art <laughs> matches the tone and kind of the development of the story perfectly in that it starts very bright. Like, I, I mean, the, the initial pages, the hellscape, very, very bright red. Yeah. And then it flows into her remembering her first few experiences with Walter and it's still red, but it's more of a like single palette red. Yeah. And then it flows into bright, sunny, beautiful. Yeah. And as the night goes on, it gets darker and darker, but it's still kind of like a, it's like a we're hanging out in a pool at night kind of dark. Yeah. And then when stuff goes down, it's blackness, shades, shadows everywhere, twisted figures in the night. Like it's, it, the, the art matches the pacing and the tone of this book perfectly. perfectly. So like, this is just, it's a masterpiece of horror fiction. It's so well done. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's so incredibly well done. I'm I'm overwhelmed by it. Genuinely. Yeah. I, I closed the book and I just sat there with my mouth hanging open like, what did I just read? If we get to be old and wrinkly and James Tennyan hasn't gone down in the annals of history as a horror master, if it's not a household name in horror, if it's not like people go and they're like, who's your favorite horror writer? And people are just freely like, James Tennyan, bro. Then... There is no justice in yes, this world. Somebody failed. <laughs> there is no justice in this world if James Tinian does not become known on the same level as your Stephen Kings and, you know, your even go as far as like H.P. Lovecraft and your Dean Kuntzes and stuff yeah. like that. Like if if you don't hear about James Tinian in the, the Hall of Fame of Horror then there's just something wrong. Yeah, there's something broken. This is brilliant. Yeah. I, I, do, I don't even... There's nothing else to say. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, and this is from B, uh, DC, by the way. This is part of their Black Label Which line. is even crazier. Um, <laughs> which is cool. DC, I think, is if they keep going the way that they're going, they are going to put a severe hurt on the horror like not a hurt but they're gonna put severe pressure on horror writers to like up their game because oh, yeah. the hill house stuff was all very good yes varying degrees of good some were better than others but i loved the hill house stuff there it was, was fantastic there was, was only one hill house that i wasn't big on yeah i was bummed when it was over i was like oh damn no more hill house and uh but it was all great this is great uh dc classically in vertigo has a history of horror They've been introducing more and more horror themes kind of into their mainstream books. Mm -hmm. Very possible that we see a real future where DC is just like, you know what? We're a horror imprint now. 
man, you know I, I mean? wish. Like they they're killing it. They're doing some dark stuff, and they're willing to let the writers go there, and they're willing to like let people just pump out horror. You know, so between good. this and Last Gods being like two of my like easy top five books that I've read. Yeah. And then also in that top five is a much older Vertigo title, Clean Room. Then like, damn, dude. I'm sorry. DC can pick up some good stuff. And there's a lot of conversations that need to be had about like creator owned versus the big publishers and stuff. And I don't know what sort of deals and monies and rights that Tinian's going to have for this. I hope he gets a lot. You know, and by yes. all means, if they want to keep doing this, they really need to be respectful for the creators. Uh, but damn, they're really pumping out some good, dark content. Yes. You know, yes. some good horror and good dark fantasy. They're just really killing it right now. It's, I got to give them credit. It's like, impressive. They're really. Well, like, I mean, you guys know how much I rant and rave about Spurrier's Constantine. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, and don't get me wrong, Image has some really good horror titles. You know, Ice Cream Man, also in my top five. Right. Boom is putting out really good horror titles. Something is Killing the Children, probably also in my top five. Though if I keep saying that, eventually my top five is going to be a top 15, because (laughs) I'm not very discriminate when it comes to picking my favorites of things. Um, Well, and Cullen Bunn just like, today I'm going to go with this label (laughs) and and everything he puts out has been great so the other companies have great horror stuff i just when dc decides that they're gonna get a creator in to do some horror stuff they just swing for the fences they commit i mean it boils down to those creators obviously but they are just really good at picking up concepts yeah you know what i mean like yeah i don't want to give them more credit than that like sure their editorial team was involved in whatever but like they didn't write it <laughs> you know what i mean no one at dc wrote it um but they do a really good job kind of picking up the concepts i don't know if they like hear the pitch and then reach out to the creator or they reach out to the creator and then get the pitch i don't know what it is but for well, some reason they just always like draft in some really hardcore horror stories well and it's interesting because it's not like this is the first tinian horror story that has happened like he's been on batman for a hot minute mm-hmm. but you know like Something is Killing the Children yeah. isn't a DC title. Yeah. Department of Truth isn't a DC yeah. title. It's interesting that they were like, oh, no, we want this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they do it. I don't know who is responsible at DC for bringing in all these great horror books, uh, but they they owe them a medal because yeah. <laughs> they're they're drafting in some really good horror yeah, stories. So absolutely. congrats. That's going to do it for us. Yes. Extra long, extra dark episode, but uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. If you want more Cover B, you can find our previous episodes, including special episodes like Real Extra Empowered Gaming, uh, over at CoverBPodcast.com. Yes. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cover B Podcast. I update it as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'm trying. I'm only one girl. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone stay safe. Stay happy. I hope everyone's week is going well. Week went well. Their weekend is going well. And their next week goes well. Yeah. Uh, And until the next time, we will catch you back here uh, for more Cover B. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.